everyone. Welcome back to the Career Matters Podcast. This is your host, Nassar Ahmed. If you're joining us for the first time, just a very, very quick high-level overview. We focus on career advice for job seekers and freelancers. That's the goal of our brand, careermedis.com. And this particular episode, this is episode 102 of the Career Matters Podcast, and it is part of the Career Expert Series. So what I've done in the Career Expert Series, I bring on coaches, practitioners, professionals, uh, mentors and experts who talk about who, who specialize in a particular field when it comes to job search or career growth, and I interview them and ask them questions so you, the audience, are able to get something new from an episode like this. Uh, and today, for the Career Expert Series episode, our expert guest is Nancy Gansakoffer. She's a focused, motivated, and a dedicated business coach, and she specifically helps interior designers excel in their careers and their businesses. In addition to business coaching, Nancy is on the national board. Uh, She's a national board member of the IDS Interior Design Society and also the current and founding president of the IDS Virtual Chapter. I'm pretty excited because this is the first time we're going to cover that particular segment or career. So, hey, Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Nassar. I appreciate it. So Nancy, before we get into the whole interview, I have a fun question I always ask my guests is, uh, where are they calling from? I am from New York. New York is a city that does not need an introduction. (laughs) In fact, I've had few guests from New York and they all share, when I ask the, the question, can you share something interesting or fun fact about New York that most people would not know every time they've given me a new answer? So I'm curious to see, curious to hear what you have to say about that. Oh, a fun fact. Well, I live on Long Island, so I live in Wantar, W-A-N-T-A-G-H. Some people think I say Montauk, which is why I always specify. And Wantar is the home of Jones Beach. It's one of the largest beaches in the New York region and open to the public. And it's beautiful. It has an incredible boardwalk that I go to multiple times a week to do some walking. And I'm about seven minutes from there. So it's, it's a beautiful tourist site if anyone's ever coming to Long Island that they wouldn't want to miss. That's amazing. I have been to New York a few times. I, that is a part of New York I've not visited. Now, I thanks for giving that tip. And every time I go to New York, I want to try something new. So I'll definitely add that to my list. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. I'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself. At, I'm, I'm sure the audience as well. So if you don't mind giving us a quick overview of A little bit of your story and, you know, how you got here today. So I'll really summarize my story for you because I started out like many people in the corporate world. I was uh, in the corporate banking world after college and I started out as a, a collector, you know, somebody calling people to say you owe money on your mortgage or you owe money on your credit card. And after college, I worked there during college and after college over the next 10 years, I rose to the level of first vice president and ran ran the mortgage servicing department there, had staff in total of about 150 people, but of course had 
vice presidents under me and managers and supervisors. And I loved the corporate world. But then I started having children, as many women do. And by the time my second was being born, I thought, okay, this, this is getting too tough. Let me try doing the stay-at-home mom thing for a while. So I left the corporate banking world, had my second child, went back to become a personal fitness trainer, exercise, you know, to help other people get fit. I did that for a couple of years until my third was being born. And once he was born, he ended up needing open heart surgery at five days old. So that threw that career down the toilet bowl for a couple of years because he needed open heart surgery and he was quarantined for two years. He is okay today. He's going to be 19 next month and then is going into his second year of college. So that turned out with a happy ending, which I'm so thrilled about. And after that, my mother, who is an artist living in Las Vegas, I was raised in New York, but my parents lived and moved to Vegas after their three daughters got married. And my mother called me and said, I'm giving all my artwork away. And I was like, why would you do that? You know, send it to me. I'm a businesswoman looking for my next venture, three kids at home, you know, looking for something to do. Maybe I'll try to sell it. So I did that. I started a home art party company. It was pretty pathetic at the time. I worked ridiculous amount of hours asking family and friends to have these little parties for me, wine and cheese and selling artwork. But then one day an interior designer walked into one of the parties and said, that's the perfect piece of artwork for my client's home. Uh, I want to design an entire bathroom around it. Can you bring it to my client's house? I said, sure. Client loved it. She said, can you help us frame it? I'm like, no problem. I knew nothing about art. I knew nothing about framing, but I figured it all out. And 15 years later, Expressive Living Art Framing and Accessories was a shop-at-home service for art, framing, installation, and accessories serving interior designers' clients throughout the New York tri-state area. That's what I developed from that one moment that I realized that my target audience was interior designers. I proceeded over those 15 years to, to take on more artists, find suppliers, have art shipped to me from all over the world, and... We had a shop at home service, packing up the van. I had two employees working out of my house. So I was raising my kids and had this very thriving business growing over the 15 years. As I worked with interior designers, it was very apparent that often they had difficulty with the business side. They were incredibly creative. They had great vision. They were very talented with what they did with redesigning people's homes, but they had trouble running a business, understanding the, to systematize what made them profitable, how to charge, how to have the confidence to create a thriving business. And a lot of them were really working a lot of hours and not making a lot of money and were naturally coming to me for advice because of my natural business sense. And over the years, all the businesses that I had run and from my finance background. So about two and a half years ago, I decided to hang my shingle as a coach, as I was running Expressive Living, which was the name of my other company. And within a year and a half, I closed down Expressive Living because I had many entrepreneurs, not just interior designers. I also coach other coaches, industries, creative entrepreneurs that service the interior design business. So web designers, branding specialists, artists. And I started coaching them on how to become profitable and how to grow their business. So here I am today, I shut down Expressive Living, I'm coaching full-time, and I incredibly love what I do. 
I wake up every day so excited because I'm helping so many entrepreneurs become more profitable. That's an amazing summary. And the reason I ask an open-ended question, tell me about yourself, is I'm, I'm able to find some common themes. And, and one of the common themes I've found throughout uh, you know, doing 100 plus episodes is most of my guests, no matter what they do, they don't start off out of college. Uh, they, had, they had no idea what they're doing today is what they were going to do when they graduated. Um, most of the time it's non-linear and uh, usually thinks it's, it's, it's actually something that they find along the way. It's a passion or they find a need in the market. And the second thing is they're extremely, extremely passionate about what they do and they love what they do. So I've saw, I found the same theme and yours is a very interesting story. I mean, you started out a business and you found out that the, your customers are interior designers and now you help them succeed. So yes. very fascinating story. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. So the follow-up question I have is, as I mentioned at the beginning, I think this is the first time my audience and myself and even our publication as a whole is exposed to the interior designer career. So uh, for those of us who are unfamiliar or do, do not have a good understanding, what does an interior designer do? An interior designer does so much more than people actually understand, which is what I think makes their choice of career so difficult. They manage, they can do as, you know, simple as helping you pick out new colors for your walls if you want to repaint your house and you just can't seem to make a decision, but they can also select every single knob, every carpet, every window treatment. They can create a house with an architect and a contractor from the ground up. So from very simple things, like I was a niche within the interior design industry, I was an art framing and accessory designer, basically. So I was a niche within the industry. But interior designers, full service, can help you build a house from the ground up, help you redesign one room, help you make a decision on just giving your, let's say, kitchen a facelift, or just like I said, choosing window treatments, color consults, give you an eye from a design perspective. Their brains are incredibly creative and they see things outside the box. They can review what you already love and have, maybe perhaps from your travels, and figure out how to incorporate that in a new design that gives a person that desire to be home, enjoy their home uh, every single day. And it's, it's actually very complicated. Yeah, I, you mentioned something very interesting in, in your description of an interior designer is uh, creative. Uh, so is that, that, is that like a hallmark skill that they need to have? I'm, I'm curious, like if someone is, how does someone know they're creative enough to be an interior designer? You know, often you hear stories from interior designers that say when they were younger, they redesigned their bedroom over and over again. They moved furniture around constantly. They are attracted to beautiful fabrics and bright colors or putting together a comprehensive, you know, look in a room. They see the world in a different way, in a way that I admire, because even though I had a niche market within interior design and I learned to appreciate love and be able to pick out artwork and accessories that worked in somebody's home, I never had that full vision of an entire room coming together based on the people who live there and what would make them happy. Interior designers can take somebody's 
personality or a family's personality or a couple's personality and just turn their environment into one that matches what they love and the way they want to live. And that takes a very creative mind. It's almost like they're intuitive and creative at the same time. They look at every light fixture with awe, like, wow, I would love to place that in someone's home. I can see the kind of person that would love that. And, and every accessory, it's really incredible to watch. Yeah, that, that, that is definitely true because I, I've seen shows on HGTV and they bring an interior designer and some of the things they do is, you know, someone like me cannot even imagine. So that extra right. creativity, some, something like that is inborn. They have nurtured that. And then now they channel that into a career like a profession, right? A career, a profession, or a business. That's very yeah. interesting. You look at it almost like an artist, right? An artist right. takes a blank canvas or a blank piece of paper and creates from scratch. That's what an interior designer does. They take a blank palette or a palette that has, you know, a blank, a room that has some elements in it, and they can pull together a whole new design. I mean, they're constantly training themselves, researching, looking for new resources, looking for new ways to put things together that, you know, us as homeowners, we would just never think certain things go together. So that's what I mean by creative, right? Somebody who's creative in that way truly sees the world three-dimensionally and can really appreciate how elements work together to pull together a beautiful home or a beautiful room. Or even, you know, commercial space and restaurants, you know, the flow of how people work, walk, mm -hmm. enjoy, you know, it's like all part of interior design. So Nancy, let's now talk about the whole profession or industry as a whole. You are a member of the IDS, the Interior Designer Society. Can you give us like an inside scoop? What are you seeing like uh, in terms of what's happening in the industry? Now, the industry is getting harder in some respects because in this day and age of computers and the younger generations, they, they like to do a lot of research on their own. So as an interior designer in the past could come in and pull a whole home or room together for somebody, now often these people are researching individually products one by one and trying to you know, undercut interior designers profit, which is making it harder for them to make a living. What most people don't understand is that they don't do this just as a hobby. They love what they do, but they also need to be a profitable business. And in order to continue to be available for people, they have to be able to make a profit in every stage of the design. So it's getting harder for interior designers to make a living the way they used to make a living. And they have to more sell themselves on the service mm -hmm. of interior design. You know, what, it, what it's like to have somebody come into your home and handle everything for you. And you not to have to Google and find products and figure out, is this going to look good? Is this not going to look good? They really, for me, it's everyone could use an interior designer. But often it's the people who are really, really busy mm -hmm. that end up using them because they just don't have the time to be doing the shopping and the researching and making all the mistakes that people make when they don't use an interior designer. So the industry is getting tougher when it comes to selling themselves on their service and people understanding 
how much work actually goes into interior design. It's, it's definitely not all fun and games. It's not all glamorous like HGTV sometimes puts off. Mm-hmm. It looks very glamorous. It's a lot of hard work digging you know, deep and it's not always dressed up pretty. It's putting your hands in the dirt and carrying stuff around and um, bringing things back and selecting. It's, it's a lot of back and forth. So it's getting tougher for them, but I think that we're succeeding in educating the public and understanding that it is a service. It's not just a walking store where you can just buy a bunch of things from them at a discount. It is actually a service. Very interesting. And usually I do ask the question about technology. And I think you brought that up. So you were saying that technology is having an impact in how people are viewing the profession. I'm just curious, but wouldn't like if you go back 10, 15 years ago, if I wanted to find an interior designer, I would have to maybe ask a referral to my real estate agent or even someone in my network. Does technology, you, the technology does make it challenging in some aspects, but I'm curious, does technology make it easier for people to find good interior designers? I definitely think it makes it easier. I mean, Organizations like the IDS, the Interior Design Society, will come up when somebody's Googling for an interior designer in their neighborhood and they'll have a nice selection and links back to their websites. So I think that it is always smart to investigate anybody you're looking to hire, especially in your home. And you can, you know, having everybody's websites available, sometimes they have Pinterest boards or Instagrams our Facebook business pages, often they have all of those so that you can really see their design sense and you can get a sense of who they are as a person. Marketing in this day and age is so different than it used to be for interior designers and really all entrepreneurs, coaches included, artists, web designers, all, everybody wants not just to see the work you've done. They also want to know that they will enjoy working with you through the process Mm -hmm. where it used to be just like, Oh, she does pretty rooms or he does fabulous work. Let me hire him where now it's really changed to where they want to know who you are as a person and feel comfortable with you. So the more video or the more text you can put out into the market in really any business and be yourself. And you hear this all the time, right? This no like and trust factor or being authentic is really what matters, right? If somebody hears this podcast and thinks, gee, I've been needing a business coach and they hear my voice and they like what I'm saying, they'll be more likely to call me because they've heard me. It's not just about what my website says. It's also about seeing and hearing me speak. And it's the same for interior designers or almost any other service-based entrepreneur. The more you could be seen, the more you can be heard, the better off you are. Yeah, thanks for covering that. And that is so true. Like it, and that applies to any career, right? Like that goes back to the whole personal branding. Any opportunity yes. you get to brand yourself and stand out from others in your area is always, always helpful. I wanted to go back to one of the things you said at the beginning. You mentioned about creativity being a, one of the key skills. I'm, I'm curious, like let's say someone has that itch or someone finds that they're a good fit in terms of uh, being an interior designer, what are some of the things you recommended they, they do to get started in that career or a business? You know, a lot of them start out just designing for their own home and then perhaps designing for a friend. 
But I would definitely, I, I always encourage anyone who comes to me and wants to be an interior designer, take some courses. It actually is an incredibly complicated profession and you want to be able to really know what you're doing and gain the confidence in your space planning, in your color selections, in how you present to a client, creating the systems that are effective. Um, Unfortunately, often in interior design school, they don't cover as much of the business side as they should. And that's often why interior designers are seeking out coaches as well. But if you want to start out being an interior designer, look for a certification course or look for a certified course of some kind and start taking classes to see if you actually like it and then start dabbling in your own world in your own home and perhaps friends and family so you can see whether you like all the nuances and all the difficulties that come along with interior design. Because like I said, it is not all glamorous. It is a lot of hard work. And I'd like everyone to get a taste of that before they make a decision to actually go full blown into it. Do you have some recommendations on certifications? Uh, Like, is there something that IDS offers or... IDS does not offer a specific certification. They do offer classes for continuing education. But wherever you're listening from, you go to your local colleges or your Google interior design schools. There's the Metropolitan School of Interior Design here in, on Long Island. There's Pratt University in the city. Most of the colleges do offer some type of an interior design diploma or an interior design certification, and they're really not hard to find. I wanted to expand on that. So you mentioned certifications. I, I wanted to, I'm curious about education. Does, is there a degree that they have to take as well? For example, you know, nursing, healthcare, IT, everyone has degrees. What about interior designers? There are degrees. There, for, there are four-year degrees in interior design. Okay. There are two-year degrees in interior design. There are certifications in interior design. There's all levels. In certain states, and I could not name them off the top of my head. To call yourself an interior designer, you must be degreed. And otherwise, you have to call yourself a decorator. In other states, you are allowed to call yourself an interior designer, even if you don't have a degree. So it depends on where you're listening from. You should check it out. But I certainly coach a lot of people who've never gone back for a full degree or a full certification. It is certainly not mandatory. If you are naturally talented and have the interest in the field, you can certainly learn enough without having a degree or certification. It just does probably make your life a little bit more confident if you have a certification or a degree. And that's where I find a lot of the people who didn't formally educate themselves end up at some point getting nervous that they don't know as much as the next interior designer because they didn't go for a degree. But I still say, that's okay. I mean, I did not have a degree in art, yet I ran an art consulting firm. So you don't always have to have a degree in certification as long as you have the desire to learn as much as you can about the industry. And often you can also get a job at another interior design firm or do an internship with an existing interior designer, even if it's free or a low-paying internship in order to really learn what you need to know to run a great company yourself. That's great. Thank you. I also want, I'm curious now because you do help existing interior designers to take it to the next level. 
in your experience, and you probably have more insights because you're part of IDS, you've been doing this for a while, you help others. Where do you see the industry going in the next uh, few years? Again, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean by going, but I, I definitely think it's a, a growing industry uh-huh. focused on the service of interior design. What an interior design's insight, knowledge, education, experience can bring to a homeowner so that they don't lose money, waste time, or make mistakes in their own design projects. The biggest thing we see is when someone does not use an interior design, they think they're saving money, but they're actually usually losing money because they've made many mistakes along the way that have cost them money directly, time, which is money, and just aggravation of a project not going as smoothly as they would have liked. When you bring in an interior designer, they will handle that project for you from beginning to end. You will weigh in on what you like and dislike, and you watch the project come together without errors and without mistakes, and it's the best decision people can make. That's great. Thank you. What I wanted to expand on that is, for example, do you see any trends that point towards that being a growing need in the market? Because uh, as you said, one of the things you said is busy professionals who don't have time want to use an interior design. At the same time, you said there are people also researching that makes it difficult. So I'm just curious, you know, based on what you see in the market with your customers and with your clients, is, is this is this continuously growing as an viable industry? That, that's what I was hoping to uh, get from that. Okay, gotcha. Yes, it's absolutely a growing industry. And I think this is mentality that let me do what I do best and let somebody else do what they do best, Mm -hmm. right? So when it comes to, I can sit at my desk and I can make money coaching somebody when it comes to designing my home, I think, ah, that's not good use of my time. It's not what I do best. So it is a growing industry because of this rise in the mentality of let me stick to what I do best and let someone else do what they do best. And it's a transfer of energy and a transfer of money from one to the other in order for everyone to stay in their lane. So it is a growing industry. I don't have numbers for it, but I see it growing constantly. And there's also this increase in e-design. If you haven't heard of e-design, it's where somebody can actually hire an interior designer over the internet, somebody who does not live near them. And they can virtually help you design a space and select product for you. So that's kind of opening up the whole world of interior design also, that you don't have to work with somebody locally. You can actually like somebody's design sense and hire them from across the world, across the nation. So that's been very cool. And that's opening up a lot of doors for a lot of interior designers. That's great to hear. It's always encouraging to hear that because... um... You know, there are certain industries that are shrinking, for example, retail. And as you can see every day in the news or every week, it's always good to see careers that are expanding, businesses that are expanding. That means people getting into it and know that they can work there, especially if they love it for a, a long, long time. Yes, you can actually definitely become an interior designer, make a living. What I'm really known for is a term I say, niche is rich and broad is broke. Find a niche which within the interior design industry that you may love and market yourself to that niche. And even though you may be able to do full design, it's a way in the door. It's a way of 
marketing yourself very specifically to an audience that will understand clearly what you're capable of doing. And then once you're in the door, you can do more if they need you to. Nancy, you shared a lot of great ideas. Thanks for doing that. And we are coming to the end of our recording here, end of the episode. Before we wrap up, any last words, any final piece of advice you'd like to give the audience? One of the most difficult things for people is getting really clear and concise on what they do, who they do it for, what does it feel like and look like with somebody if somebody was to work with you. So my advice is to get really clear, at least on your initial thoughts on your own business, right? Because sometimes it changes and that's okay. But get really clear and concise and be able to explain what you do. I actually have an exercise on my website. It's free. It's called Your Business in Words. It's a great way for someone to start defining who they want to be as a business person and explaining it in a way that people can picture working with them. So that would be my advice is get really clear and concise if you're starting a business or you're revamping your existing business so that you can explain it when you're networking, when you're marketing yourself, when you're in social media. It really helps to attract your ideal client time and time again. That's an amazing wrap up. Thank you very much, Nancy, for joining us, sharing your ideas openly. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Career Matters podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview with links to Nancy's website. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this amongst your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Career Matters podcast. Thank you.